Today, we are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew for months now. And this is the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. This is found in chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is God's Word to you today. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, uh, it is our practice here at Redeemer that when we pray, we are simply coming into the awareness that God is with us right here in this moment. To be at one with God, to, to know that, to believe that, is one aspect of eternal life. Eternal life is more than just about duration. It's about the quality of your existence, the quality of the fact that you and God are at one because of Jesus Christ. And so when we pray and we sit in silence just for a moment, um, we, are, we are remembering that, that God is with us. And so uh, let's, let's sit for just a moment. I'll pray and then we'll talk about this text for a few minutes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for allowing us to see the beauty of your image through these dear children. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who illumines Jesus Christ to us. Thank you for your love, God, which sent Jesus into the world so that you could be near to us, so that we could Oh, not have any more sin in us to begin to think about ourselves um, as holy, as full of love. Um, and so would you do that, Lord? Make us one in Him and help us to know that uh, eternal life can be accessed right now. And we ask that you would be so present, palpably present in this room that you would give us a taste of the future of a life without sin. In Christ's name, amen. So one of the the themes that we've been highlighting in the book of Matthew is that Jesus is a king and that he's bringing a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, into earth. And when you, in the ancient world, when you wanted to notify who a king was, you would use a genealogy. 
and show the line of descendants within that, that kingly uh, bloodline. And so that's what we have right before our passage. Matthew is showing that Jesus is coming from the line of Abraham, then King David. And in Matthew's gospel, it's a little bit different than Luke because Matthew tells the birth of Jesus through the, the lens of Joseph, as opposed to Luke kind of gives us more of the birth of Jesus through the lens of, of Mary. And it appeared, so from Joseph's perspective, he was betrothed to Mary, and then she um, was pregnant, and he had not been with her. And so it appeared from Joseph's perspective that Mary had been unfaithful to him, and so he was working it out in his mind, as the text says, on how to divorce her quietly. He was trying to get out of the situation that he was in. And it was, it's just an unpleasant situation. When sexual shame is on the table and something like a divorce is about to happen, it's not pleasant. And in the midst of that, in the midst of how messy life is, and we all have mess in our lives, God shows up through the messenger of an angel in verse 20, says to Joseph when he's totally disoriented, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. For the child that is in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. And that was a fulfillment of a passage from the prophet Isaiah during the time of a king named King Ahaz that God had promised to give Ahaz a sign that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. And during that time, it meant that the the sign was going to help him fight this conflict that he was in with surrounding nations. But the reason why that's used is to show that now in the time of Matthew, in the first century, all of the many, 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 many signs that have been given to God's people throughout history are coming to completion and fullness right here and right now in this text. That this is the point of everything. And this is the point of this sermon. This is the point of this passage, this is the point of the world right now. The way God saves is through this human, Jesus, for the purpose of God being with you. That the way God saves is through this human, Jesus, for the purpose of God drawing near and being with you. Kids, if anyone ever asks you, or adults, if anyone ever asks you, hey, tell me what the Bible's about. Uh, you, can, you can actually summarize the Bible. It's a great summary. Um, the Bible is about God being with people. From beginning to end. That's what the book of Matthew is about. It starts with God being with people, and it ends. You remember what Jesus says to his disciples? I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. It's the bookends of the gospel of Matthew. The tricky part is, most people, when they think about what that's going to be like doesn't match the reality of how it actually feels, the experience of it. So much so that anytime it's about to happen in the Bible, uh, people get deathly afraid. It's terrifying for, you know, heaven to enter our earth. So if you were to go and visit the wonderful state of South Dakota, who's been to South Dakota here? All right, everybody, almost. Um, there is a, uh, a bunch of signs in this state 
that talk about all the wonderful things in South Dakota, but there's one sign that stands above them all, and it's repetitive and everywhere along the interstate, and it's a sign for this magical place called Wall Drug, yeah? And it has free ice water, you know, um, five-cent coffees, and most importantly, dinosaurs. And so I had never been to Wall Drug, and my family uh, went up to visit the Badlands and the Black Hills a couple of months ago, and I became uh, fascinated by Wall Drug. I did lots of research, uh, lots of hidden gems, you know, about this place. And um, as I was there, you know, I had built it up in my mind, and I, I, I love dinosaurs, and my son loves dinosaurs. Uh, when I got there, I, I found this back room that I did not find in my research. And in this back room, there was a massive, massive T-Rex head, like just huge. And you can pay a dollar for the T-Rex to come alive. And I was watching this family with, with a young kid, and they paid the dollar, and the T-Rex came alive, and this kid just started yelling, no, 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 and just like ran out the door. <laughs> and like, he was so, so very scared. Um, and I, uh, I think that was a lot like when God came to earth. That like the reality of it on the, on the, you know, you build something up in your mind, you see the signs, but then when you actually get there, it's like, that was different than I expected and quite scary. This is how people respond to the news that God is coming into the world. Every time that that is announced, a messenger, an angel, has to come to people and say to Zachariah, to Mary, to Joseph, um, I know this is what the whole world is anticipating, but it's going to initially sound terrifying and be terrifying to you, but you do not have to be afraid. This is the moment where the supernatural comes into the natural world, and there's this great merger where the kingdom of heaven is coming into earth through Jesus, and this child is the embodiment of God himself, and he's come for a specific purpose. Verse 21, look at verse 21, that he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph, I want you to call your boy, call him Jesus. Now, uh, what is sin, and why do we need to be saved from it? This is something that affects us from the time that we're born into this world. At the heart of every human being, and this is the sadness, and go, go with me into this sadness for a moment, okay? At the heart of every human being is a core denial of the God who made you and wants to bless you. It's a core denial of his good and gracious care over your life and over everything that you know in the world. And because of that distrust, we conform what he's like in our minds, and then we conform what he said to us in his word. We change it. And what's so terrible about that is that what sin does is that it distorts our reality so that we can't think straight. We can't live straight. We can't discern truth. Even the true things that we think we see, we see it crooked. And so the claim of Christianity is that Every human being, even if you don't even believe in the concept of sin, has been more affected by it than anything else in your life. And it is the unavoidable reality to your experience. 
from day one. And it's the reason why we die. It's the reason why souls and bodies get separated. And that's what God came to save us from. To reverse all of it. And he likes to, this is the fun part about God. In the midst of that sadness, he likes to involve human beings in that process of rescue who are open back up to the goodness of God. You know, names in the Bible are identity-creating acts. He wants to give, this is, the, this is the beautiful part, he wants to give his people a new way to think about who they are. He wants to give people a, a new concept of life without anything that has ever gone wrong, ever. And that that's who you truly are. A new way back to know yourself and to know Him. We were at dinner uh, last this past week, and there was a, a wonderful question posed at this dinner. And the, the question was, if, if you had three questions to ask God, what would you ask Him? And one delightful person said, I would ask Him, will you tell me your name? And then will you tell me my name? Will you proclaim it to me? And another person said, I want to experience the new creation like in tangible form. I want to experience what that future world is going to be like. And I think that all three of those things, that that's exactly what's happening in our text. Listen to what Jesus says right before he dies in John 17. After this long prayer, he says this at the end of the prayer. He says, I made, he's speaking to God, and he said, I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known. And the love with which you have loved me, may it be in them, and I in them. Here's the point. In Jesus, we simultaneously see that this is the human being that I should have always been. And we simultaneously see that he is God. That he is the representative human being that we have always longed to be. And he's God. And he's bringing that future reality that is coming, has come once and will come again. He's bringing that future reality into tangible present form as he becomes a human. So that we see a person who calls himself the firstborn back from the dead into an existence that's impenetrable and perfect. An existence where human beings and God are at one, at peace and at rest. And that we begin to believe that our fundamental consciousness is most at peace when our life is consumed with the witness of God, Emmanuel. Uh, I have seen it many times now in this very congregation. Uh, and I've experienced it just a little bit in my own life. That when a tragedy strikes... We, you know, we look for answers leading up to a tragedy or in the aftermath of a tragedy, but when it actually hits, 
you're not looking for answers in the moment. That's not what you need. You know what you need. You need God's presence. And he does show up. When that child ran out because he was afraid of the T-Rex, you know, (laughs) no amount of data was going to help him, you know? Like, what did he need? He needed his dad to go after him and scoop him up in his arms and calm him down. And that's what happened. This is why, why we must avoid, uh, you know, there's so, there's so much like avoidance of talk about sin. But when we go into the extent and terror of it, we find Christ to be who he actually is. One who has the power to save. And if we don't, if we don't go to the full extent of how distorted it has made everything, we will continue to band-aid things up when we need surgery. We'll offer very simple solutions to the most complex issues. If we don't face the reality of sin, we won't get the whole point of being rescued. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from sin, but we're saved for worship to be with God and to enjoy Him, to have rest, to be settled in His presence is the future new world. That's what Jesus came to win back for His people. And if God is with us, that means that we are never ever alone, ever. In the darkest hour. Um, there's There's apparently an epidemic going on in our world both inside and, out the church, inside and outside the church, and it's the epidemic of loneliness. I'm sure you've read about it. I'm sure you've seen pictures about it. The uh, social isolation that we all feel. And the reason why that's an epidemic is because of what Christianity teaches, that we weren't made to be alone. It's not good when we are. And knowing, knowing data, knowing stats, can't actually change the human heart. Here's what changes the human heart. Forgiveness and reconciliation. If you've ever actually experienced, if you've been on the receiving or giving end of forgiveness or reconciliation with another human being, it is extremely powerful. You know this. But there's something even more powerful than that. Which is to actually experience reconciliation with the one who created you. To know him. To be in him. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit came into this text to do, to point humanity, to highlight Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary. And uh, you may say, you know, like, that's, that's good, but, like, Joseph and Mary actually experienced that. I don't. Like, I haven't seen Jesus. And um, I would encourage you, if, if you're there, uh, to, to read about it. There are four accounts of God coming into the world. And see to it for yourself that if if it's not true, then you discover if it's not true or not. Pick it apart. And I bet what you'll find is that these people respond exactly how you would if you're in their shoes. And if it's a totally false story... You, you need, I mean, it, it has changed the world. 
at least do it the dignity of picking it apart yourself. But if it is true and you don't believe it, you're missing out on the best thing in the whole cosmos. Which is that God came to rescue us through Jesus so that we can literally have rest and peace forever. And he's got the marks to prove it. Um, we'll close up here. I, I've told this illustration before during the time of Christmas as we think about the incarnation. But there's a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Marsha Linehan at the University of Washington that runs a clinic for people who struggle with self-harm and suicide. And uh, she was sitting with a patient one time, and the patient noticed that uh, Marsha had marks on her arms because she used to struggle with, with cutting. And the patient said, did, did, you, uh, did you struggle back, back in the day? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I struggled. And she's like, let me, let me rephrase that. I want to know more than that. Marsha, I want to know if you're one of us. Because if you are, it would give all of us so much hope that we don't have to be stuck in this life that we've harmed ourselves so much in. And in Jesus Christ, he, he has the marks to prove that he is one of us. But he does not have sin. And that's, he can relate to you in every single way. And in him, we get a glimpse of our glorified true self and when you see him, if you look long enough and if you look closely enough, you're going to see your future and you'll begin to experience in the present moment that God's with you by the Holy Spirit and that he's always been with you and that he will be with you to the end of the age. That's the point of Christmas. He came once, he's going to come again. The promise in the present is that I'm with you, I'm with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you came in the person and work of Jesus Christ and that you sent us the Spirit, which reminds us of Him daily, continually, and that we can live in anticipation that as sure as you came once, you'll come again, and that as sure and true our experience of sin is in this fallen world, more true than that is the resurrection, is the fact that you're going to make all things new. And so, Lord, bring that reality into our lives, that we would bring the blessing of that news uh, to each other first and into the city of Lincoln. I thank you for these children, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would continue uh, to unite yourself to them, and that also we would learn from them, that we would learn what it is to follow you uh, through their faith. In Christ's name, amen.